In the great Buddhist ferment in the Tang Dynasty in China, 8th and 9th century, the encounter with thusness was described by poets. It may have been familiar to them because of its correspondence to the Tao, translated sometimes as the way. We've been chanting um, one of those poems by um, one of our the founders of um, our lineage of Buddhism, um, Dao Shang, from uh, that time, this past week, called the um, Song of the Precious Mirror Sam- Samadhi. The um, Dong Shan may not have been the actual author, but it's usually attributed to him, and um, so I'm going to go with that. The full text of the poem is on the Stone Creek website. Please um, investigate it. There was much discussion at the time between those who tried to um, attain the experience of thusness step by step through mental and physical training, and those who tried to create the conditions for spontaneous realization. Zen master Yun Ju, a student of Dongshan's, admonished his students, saying, You are trying to attain thusness, yet you already are a person of thusness. As you are already a person of thusness, why be worried about thusness? And yet... um, Uh, we continue to uh, worry about thusness. And so it's still a good um, topic. Then, as now, we have a feeling that there's more to reality than we normally perceive, and we'd like to, um, to awaken to a larger experience of it and of our true place, within it. We call this desire for awakening the way-seeking mind. The path of awakening is a journey toward total acceptance of absolutely everything exactly as it is. There's nothing extra. There's nothing missing. Complete inclusion. Just this. This totality includes our feeble struggles to uh, uh, comprehend, to open, and to understand. It includes all our preferences, doubts, and delusions, our evil, and our innocence. In one sense, as Yun Chu admonished, seeking the way is a futile effort for the way is not something outside of ourselves that we must understand, grasp, and incorporate. And the ancestors repeatedly caution us that it is not to be found by seeking. In another sense, the way-seeking mind is already the mind of Buddha. We are already that which we seek. And the seeking mind is its own reward. It's been called suchness and thusness. Wikipedia calls it the inexpressible quality of being just as it is. Suzuki Roshi called it things as it is. Efforts to name and describe this great reality miss the mark, 
still, aware of the irony of trying to speak the unspeakable, we persevere. And we must, for opening to it is one of the central projects of Buddhist practice. Our ancestors spoke about it, wrote about it, and indicated it with gestures and shouts. I want to talk about some of these uh, central, some of these various ways of approaching thusness. One difficulty is describing thusness, one difficulty of it is uh, in the nature of language itself. Words trip us up. A word is not the thing it names, yet we can see that naming is clearly very powerful and can help us look into our own process, including our own delusions about what we may understand or not. Grammar also trips us up as it insists on dividing words into subject and object um, is re so relentlessly that our minds find it difficult to even think a verbal description that does not aff affirm that uh, dualism. Some of this difficulty, no doubt, comes from bilateral function of the brain, with the left hemisphere being more attuned to language, concepts, and time, and the right one more attuned to relationships and immediate experience. To approach thusness, we need the middle way of including all our faculties, left and right, northern and southern, quick and slow. Dongshan says, the meaning does not reside in the words, but a pivotal moment brings it forth. So one of the ways to approach thusness is to reach beyond words and indicate it non-verbally with some stand-in object, like a flower, a stick, or a fly whisk. This rose can be uh, a stand-in this morning. The roses at my house are just having a spectacular year. This year, they're just as happy as they can be. Um, so <clears throat> this rose can be a reminder of the nonverbal reality we are circling around. I can say pink. I can say fragrant. I can say soft, sharp, thorny. But all of these refer to sensations with no more lasting substance than the path of a bird through the sky. I can even say, thus, but there's no way to say. <laughs> Confusing and contradictory words actually may help create those conditions for that pivotal moment by giving the abstract logical imperative of the left hemisphere an insoluble puzzle to chew on allowing us to attend better to the immediate reality of just as it is. So we can say things like the inexpressible quality of being just as it is or the dharma of thusness, but we can't take that to mean that we have captured thusness with our words or awakened to anything at all. These phrases are like fingers pointing again and again, not only at the rose and the moon, but at the essential nature of the universe where all things meet and intercept 
and intersect is all the qualities of the rose meet and intersect in unique, essential roseness. To practice this inquiry is to open the mind to a pivotal moment of awakening and to deeper layers of inclusion. Dongshan starts the poem off saying, The Dharma of thusness is intimately transmitted by Buddhas and ancestors. Now you have it. Preserve it well. We still have Dongshan's words, and the words still have power. When you have a regular practice of chanting these old poems, certain phrases and passages stick with you and become a part of the framework which you use to make sense of your life, whether you understand them or not. I think of the old monks and scholars who summarized and recited the early texts of Buddhism, preserved and passed them on. I can understand that reciting the sutras was a central practice to early attendance to, a, to the great way before literacy and printing became widespread. We are deeply grateful to them for receiving that dharma of thusness, preserving it well, and intimately transmitting it all the way to us today, where we often chant it in morning service. Our schedule of zazen and service on weekday mornings at 6.20 and Sunday mornings at 8 is a good opportunity to establish such a regular practice and to access the benefits of these gifts of the Buddhas and ancestors. All of us at Stone Creek work together to keep the doors open and make the, this Dharma gate available. Please consider joining in this effort by becoming a member. Another way to approach this Dharma of Thusness is to inquire deeply into the nature of the self and the nature of, of phenomena. Like the Buddhas and ancestors of old, we grapple with the ancient question of consciousness and self-awareness. How can the I see itself? Or how can the I know itself without negating the unity that underlies all appearances of separateness? We perceive with the senses and imagine with the mind to form a mental concept of reality. As vivid as taste, touch, and smell may be, they are ephemeral sensations that are complete in their own experience and give us no handle to hold the reality of roseness itself. We can examine, analyze, and deconstruct our mental concept of the rose. We can say, this is a rose. Or we can say, this is not a rose. We can say, this is both a rose and not a rose. Or we can say, this is neither a rose nor not a rose. Sometimes then we may sneak up on the reality of the rose while abstract rational intellect is busy trying to figure all that out. The Dharma, the teaching of it, is, is intimately transmitted by Buddhas and ancestors. So who are these Buddhas and ancestors? Both the energetic material 
substance of the universe and the time-space matrix and matrix in which it occurs are the Buddhas and ancestors and still completely comprise us and everything about us. It is passed intimately like an arrow point meeting a mirror, form and reflection beholding each other. That's another strong metaphor from Dong Shan's poem. Your original mind is the precious mirror. Your life is the arrow reflected intimately, exactly, authentically. Suchness, thus, thusness, things as it is, the unsurpassed, complete, perfect reality as it is, is beyond the capacity of our imagination, that most capacious and flexible of human faculties. Still, Imagination is so valuable in approaching it. It seems that we can get closer with poetry, music, and metaphor than we can with uh, determined with deliberation. The ancestors invite us to imagine thusness by describing what it is like. Dongshan says, "It is like a silver bowl filled with snow," or like a white heron hidden in the moon. It's like branching streams flowing on in the dark. Or it is like a tree whose trunk and branches share one essence. It is like the foot before and the foot behind in walking. So imagination is a great ally in the approach to thusness. But we must hold it loosely and gently as we would the end of a tangled yarn so as not to tighten the tangle. In our Soto Zen lineage, sitting meditation is a central practice. It may be our best approach to the Dharma of thusness. So sit still, alert, and in present mind is to sit with all of life. In the poem, Dongshan suggests we observe the sages of, and wayseekers of the past. One, on the verge of realizing the way, he says, contemplated a tree for ten eons. At first glance, that seems like a huge poetic exaggeration, since trees have been on earth less than half of, uh, of one eon, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe the... Uh, the eon is a mistranslation of some other unit of time. In another sense, there may be something to it, for time, when we are totally in present mind, includes everything that has gone before. A geologist's eon is about a billion years, and geologists now estimate the age of the universe since the Big Bang, or the Big Whoosh, as I prefer to call it, um, is 13 and a half billion years. Um, so that's not so far off, and we, we have a lot better tools for measuring, um, measuring eons now. All the constituent materials, the space dust, atoms, particles, molecules, that make up the Earth now and our cells were here 10 eons ago. That means the constituent materials of that sage of the past that Dongshan refers to and of that tree that he contemplated uh, coexisted then. 
We can only imagine the adventures and interactions of those early constituent materials, but with 10 or, or 13 and a half billion years of changing and rearranging, there must have been constant, intimate, contemplative, and continuing contact between the elements that sometime in the 19th century China, 9th century China arranged into the sage and those and uh, those that arranged into the tree. It's all there, sitting zazen or not. The sage, the tree, the mirror, the rose, they are all of us, and we are them. Contemplating each other for 10 billion years, is that intimate or what? This kind of changing perspective is another way of approaching thusness for me and further affirms the value of imagination in approaching the way. When you identify yourself in the micro perspective uh, with your trillions of microbiota, your molecules, atoms, and particles in constant connection and interchange with the rest of the world, death loses its sting. When you identify yourself in the macro perspective, not just globally but transgalactically, you are the briefest, tiniest lump of mud in the surface of a brief and tiny planet in one of those many billions of galaxies. Death loses its dominion. Describing this shifting perspective in the poem, Dong Shan says, So minute it enters where there is no gap. So vast it transcends dimension. We sit together here, each one imagining ourselves to be a separate being, in accordance with conventional speech and with how things appear to be. We use names, labels, pronouns, and conceptual categories. We function and communicate in the, in, in the conventional dualistic way, predicated on the apparent separation of self and others. The Dharma of thusness helps us to realize that this apparent separation is not the whole story. It helps us realize that we are both unique and at the same time identical, like droplets of water going over a waterfall. When we can hold both difference and sameness, then we can be more accurately helpful to ourselves and all the seemingly separate beings that we meet. Approaching thusness, we have to realize that it holds all the suffering of the world, past, present, and future. We have to realize that our approach may be limited by how much we are willing to face that enormous suffering. Dongshan says, it is like a massive fire where turning away and touching are both wrong. I have to work on this. I was born to relative privilege. I'm not routinely brutalized by the police. I live in a paradise of beauty and abundance. So I have to read the bad news every day. I have to get close to those in pain and misery. I have to fully feel my own pain. 
I feel sometimes feel that this reality is just as it is, is not so hot. I wanted a reality where wars have been ended and prisons have been opened. Where reparation and reconciliation are the, on the global agenda. Where a new social contract is being established based on compassion and harm reduction. Where the collective wealth of the world is being redistributed in the direction of social equality and earth regeneration. But wait, people are talking about these things a lot more lately and organizing to accomplish them. I'm still here. I'm still talking about them. That's for real. And I have to remind myself of the rose, the rain, the sunshine, the love of friends and family and community. And then I have to say, oh, yes, I want it all. I want the whole thing. So I just touched on some of the ways that we um, approached thusness and left out a whole lot of them. I think um, many people uh, look for a way that is well-trodden and and that there are a lot of guideposts and helpers along the way. And others uh, strike out cross-country and hope for the best. And in America, there may be uh, a lot more of the latter than uh, the former, actually. And so people find it in their own ways. There, um, I, have, uh, I have Sufi friends who find it through uh, whirling, turning. And um, I know other people who find it through um, chanting kirtan and uh, you know, we, we are an eclectic people here in Northern California, and all these ways are available to us. I haven't talked about psychedelics. There's a whole generation of people who found their way to uh, spiritual autonomy and uh, awakening their way-seeking mind through the use of LSD and other psychedelics, um, I think that's very important and not to be, um, you know, rushed over because it's kind of, well, it was a previous generation, maybe. Um, <clears throat> anyway, we, we sit here in the presence of it, and it's around and among and through us, and to attend to it and to take the... Um, approach of it with us in what we do is a, a great a privilege and benefit. 